that's the title of this message this morning. Amen. Are you satisfied with Jesus today? Amen. Do you know him as Savior and Lord, Deliverer, Healer? Amen. Fire baptizer, Holy Ghost baptizer. How many know him today to be your everything? Amen. For what all that we know him to be is our master satisfied with us today. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Galatians this morning. Book of Galatians, if you will, stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Galatians chapter 1. I remember years ago when I was a boy hearing that song sung. And we would sing it sometimes repetitiously. It seemed like we sang it so much it became more of a repetition. That particular verse, a chorus in that song that talks about being satisfied with Jesus leaves a question that I believe is very important to our lives, our hearts, individually today as a people of God. And that is, is my master satisfied with me? Galatians chapter 1, verse 6 through 10, begin reading verse 1. Uh, excuse me, begin reading at verse 6. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you into the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even we, if we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than that which we've preached, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches another gospel to you than that which you have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. In Acts chapter 5 verse 29, Peter as he's been arrested and they are charging him not to go out and preach Jesus Christ and to declare this gospel says these words. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said unto them, we ought to obey God rather than men. We ought to obey God rather than men. I want to preach from this thought, is the master satisfied with me? Father, we ask you, Lord, that you would hide me behind the cross of Calvary today, that you would allow your word to go forth and accomplish in every heart and every life what you send it forth to accomplish, whether it be, Father, through the, those that are present here and also those that are watching through social media today that, Lord, our need would be met as we dine upon your word, that hearts would be changed, lives renewed, refreshed, and restored, and today that we would take a close inventory upon our personal lives as we look upon the Scripture today to ask that question, Father, to our hearts, is our Master satisfied with us? And Lord, that we could answer that question with peace in our hearts and comfort in the very soul of who we are. Yes, Lord, yes, we believe that you're satisfied with us. Lord, let us, Father, bless your name today in all that we do in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I believe this morning it's important for us to ask ourselves the question in an inventorial uh, spirit in our own lives to look upon the circumstances of our faith and to look upon our journey and to look upon our very walk with God and begin to ask ourselves a question that is very important when it's concerning our walk with God. And that is simply this. Does God approve of how I'm living? Does God approve of the way I'm walking? Amen. Does God approve 
of the things that I'm doing in ministry and how I'm working to serve him? Is he approving of that? There's so many things that we could ask ourselves the question, I believe, if we could quit worrying about if everybody else approves it or not. Uh, it really doesn't matter to the grand scope of things when it comes to our walk with God uh, more than it does. Does the master understand and approve what I'm doing and how I'm living and how I'm walking? As we begin to see Peter here at the church of Galatia as he sends a letter, he is very disturbed by some things that he is hearing concerning the ministry that has taken place there. How many are grateful to God for the church of the past? Amen. How many are grateful to God, amen, that they laid a foundation, even back in the book of Acts, they laid a foundation and Paul and others, apostles, began to, to go out and to share the gospel and churches were established in Asia and then across the continents and other countries, churches became established and it happened because somebody, amen, took time to go and share the word of God, amen. And they took time to go and to do what God had called them to do and that was to preach the gospel and to establish churches. And I'm saying this today to say that we ought to be grateful for all the patriarchs of old who went before us, who established churches, who preached the gospel, who laid the foundation, amen, that we might be able to have the privilege to be a part of the local church today and the corporate church that Christ has built. Amen? I believe it's important for us to realize how great and privileged we are to hold dear that which God has blessed us with, but more importantly than the church was the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel that changes lives, not the message of the gospel that comes in pervertedness, which simply means this, to be altered in some kind of way, but the pure, unadulterated message of Christ that changes lives today. I believe sometimes folks are calling out to the God but not the God of the Bible, amen? I believe sometimes folks are calling out for help, amen, from a supernatural hope that they, that they call upon that name Jesus but their mind is not understanding who he really is and when they're calling on him, they're not calling on the Jesus of the Bible in their own understanding. They're just calling, amen, out for help and for hope. You say, preacher, what do you mean? I mean, anything that is altered from the message of who he is, what he done, and the sacrifice he paid does not have the power to deliver. It is the message of who he is. Somebody ought to get happy and shout amen. It's the message of who he is and what he's done and what he represents and the power that was given him of the Father to bring victory and deliverance to the lives. Do you understand what shook up countries? Do you understand what shook up communities? Do you understand what shook what brought revival? Amen. What brought revival was men and women of God shared the unadulterated word of God and they preached Jesus Christ to the communities, to their homes and to the churches. The Jesus that died on the cross, that blood was spilt, that every drop of blood cleansed, that every sin, that every sinner would ever commit, he held all that on the cross cleansed it by his blood, suffered and died for it, was buried in a tomb for it, and on the third day was resurrected in power. He's not dead, he's still alive, and he sits at the right hand of the Father. This is the gospel. Who are you talking about, preacher? I'm talking about the one that over 2,000 years ago on Golgotha's hill became the sacrifice for all humanity, not just a good teacher, not just somebody who could heal the lame and raise the dead. I'm talking about somebody who died for our sins that we might have life and have it more abundantly. He could have done everything else up until the cross and still never been able to accomplish anything for us if he had not went to the cross. Thank God that he healed the lame. Thank God that he opened the blinded eyes. Thank God he made, come on somebody, that he did the ministry he did. Thank God he raised Lazarus. But I want to praise him right now that he didn't 
didn't stop there. He went to the cross and he died for you and me that we might go free. Thank you, Jesus. I can be healed in my mind, healed in my eyes, but thank God I'm free in my soul to Canaan's land. I'm on my way where the soul never dies. Amen. Giving glory. The message of this gospel is a message we send out today. A message of, of a God that can not only turn your life around carnally, he can turn your life around to the very soul of who you are. To our young people, he's not just something good to do. He's not just something good to hear about. He's not just somebody good to talk about. He's somebody who can save you from the guttermost to the uttermost. Mm. He's somebody that'll turn your view around. He'll cause you to understand the purpose of life and the reality of life. We're walking around, amen, confused by the things that are surrounding us. And then all of a sudden we begin to hear about this man by the name of Jesus who's coming. Paul preached about him. He said, let me tell you who he is. He's a man that met me on the road to Damascus. I was doing things I thought was right. Oh, I was serving God in righteousness or so I thought but then Jesus showed up and he began to minister to me he shined his light upon my life on that road and when I came up off that ground I've never been the same again because I met Jesus the one who went to the cross the one who died and was resurrected I met him this is who I want to introduce you to I want to introduce you to the Jesus who's able to by your own faith in him change your life in one moment in the twinkling of an eye come on somebody I want to preach unto you this Jesus who is able to accomplish in you what the world your friends your family can never accomplish they can oh come on somebody Peter Paul was preaching to this church at Galatia so many times and he had shared that message of the gospel of hope but then he gets word and it troubles him he gets word that there are those that are preaching another gospel they are trying to convince the Gentiles that they must live according to the law that the only way they're going to find hope is through the law of Moses and the established law that many of the Jews were living by through the circumcision. And he began to, to be frustrated by this because he understood that the law was a good thing in its season, but it could not do what Jesus came to do. In other words, there were folks out there preaching and telling folks, hey, you gotta live right to go to heaven. You gotta live by these laws if you're gonna make it. You gotta live by this. Let me go ahead and tell you, there ain't nothing you can do right that's ever gonna get you there except accept Jesus by faith and turn to him and surrender your life to him. But he had... There were folks out there that was telling them that they had to, to live according to the law and do all these things. And, and Paul was frustrated because he knew that this gospel had no power. It was not even a gospel indeed. And that it was a message uh, uh, that should not have even left the lips of preachers or, or even angels, he said, that would be accursed if they shared this message. It's a false gospel. There's no good news in that. The good news is Jesus is king of kings and lord of lords he came as a lamb slain from the foundation of the world this is the good news I'll preach it amen if God let me live 500 more years it's still going to be the good news if God 
mm-hmm. I don't believe we got that long, but I believe today that people need to understand in every generation something has tried and somebody has tried to change the message of the gospel. But thank God Almighty that his word never changes and there, there are people who are still by faith holding on to the pure, unadulterated word of God. In every generation, the enemy's tried to do everything he can to alter it because if he can alter it, then the power will not rest upon it. But give me again somebody who believes in this same gospel that is true and real with power. These signs shall follow them who believe in my name. They'll cast out devils. They'll speak in tongues. They'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Give me a church that believes again that we don't have to look good to go to heaven but we gotta have faith in God today. A church that is walking in power and in grace and in glory. The glory of God. Paul is shaken, he's disturbed by it. It disturbs me when I hear these new churches say these older churches didn't really understand how to do it. Come on now. They didn't really have a full understanding. They were ignorant. You mean to tell me Smith Wigglesworth was ignorant? You mean to tell me Peter, James, John, Paul, they was ignorant? These same ones that are shouting how ignorant they used to be in the past. Amen. Hadn't done what some of these they call an ignorance done. They haven't been in church services and in homes and on the street under an anointing. Amen. Ministering to the lives of people, the gospel of Jesus Christ. They've erected a religious arena and want to point back at the church of old and say they had lost their mind. It was ignorant. Tongues went away with the apostles. You don't have to shout like that. You don't have to run the pews. You don't have to speak in tongues. You don't have to lay hands on the sick. You don't have to do these things. Oh, they'll do everything they can to tell you what you don't have to do. But if you get saved by the same Jesus of the pure unadulterated gospel, you're going to want everything that he has for you. I didn't come to preach this, y'all. Don't get mad with me. Lord's taking me somewhere. Hey, is my master satisfied with me? I preach some places where they wanted me to shut the service off at 12 o'clock. Preacher, if you preach past 12, then then, then we're not going to be happy. I had one woman tell me one time we had went to pastor there. The first question she asked me, she said, you don't preach past 12 o'clock. I said, sis, I said, do you, does that bother you? She said, well, I'm leaving at 12. I said, well, to answer your question, I preach till God tells me to quit. Sometimes people wish he'd tell me to quit sooner. But I'm gonna preach till God tells me to quit till the Holy Ghost releases me. And if the Holy Ghost hasn't released me, then that is an indication that there's something within the message that God has for you. Come on now. I've met people that didn't want me to, to shout like I shouted or, or, or preach like I preached. Just tone it down a little bit. Just, well, you, you do your thing with God and let me do my thing with God. Amen. Some people, 
that I met that did not want you to preach healing because they really couldn't understand it so they would try to to just avoid it. Well, I don't understand it all, but I can tell you this. If the Holy Ghost moves upon you to pray for somebody, you better pray in faith and believe that he is able. I've seen God heal. I've seen God deliver. There's so many today that want you to preach a message of the gospel of Jesus Christ that is not the Jesus of the Bible. It is disturbing. The Jesus of the Bible dealt with adversity. Let's say that again. He dealt with adversity. One day he went into the temple and they were buying and selling in the temple. Now Jesus didn't walk up to them. Brother John, I can just come over here where you at and throw his arms around them and say, oh, I love you so much. I wish you wouldn't do this. You know God's not pleased with this. The Jesus of the Bible had backbone. He had love. He had compassion. But he had backbone. And it was not to be misunderstood with a God that was lacking grace but it was a Lord who became frustrated. Y'all with me? The Bible said that he took a strap and he drove them out of the temple. He said, my father's house should be a house of prayer, but you made it a den of thieves. He drove them out. He was frustrated. He was angry. The Pharisees were upset with him. They began to question him and judge him. Sometimes we have to understand that the Lord of the Bible is not just coming in love and compassion. Sometimes he's coming in boldness and strength and courage and grace just because he does love us. Amen. He told Peter, he said, hey, get behind me, Satan. Oh, somebody would have got offended by that. But he was always moving to bring an understanding of the will of God through the message of the gospel and the journey that God would have you to, to take, that he would press that into our hearts through the teaching or the preaching, no matter how graceful it came, no matter how correctional it came, but it came in power and in truth. I'd rather have somebody tell me the truth and be aggravated than I had somebody love all over me and tell me a lie. Let me say that again. I'd rather you be mad with me and tell me the truth than you had love all over me and tell me a lie because a lie will not lead me in the right way. Only truth will. Peter understood this as he was ministering. I got, I got another two hours, so just hold on. As he was ministering to the church at Galatia, he understood the danger that was there was that, that, that this was potentially what could happen and had already begun to happen to some. And that was this, that the message was being preached that was different from the gospel which Paul preached, which they had received of the grace of God. He said these words, I marvel, I'm amazed that you're turning away so soon from him who called you into the grace of Christ to a different gospel. He's, he's, he's just bewildered. He's marveled. How can you? How can? I like to sing this old song. I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. I got to make it to heaven somehow. Why would I want to go back to the weak and beggarly elements that I lived in before I was freed by his grace and his love. 
because they can't nobody do for me what Jesus did for me. If your life in Christ has become boring and has become frustrating, then I I would just encourage you, find you an altar of prayer and a place of praise and get in tune with God again because he is refreshing to the very heart. Peter, Paul was frustrated. He said, man, we, I marvel at this. You're tuning in and turning away from the pure gospel once preached. He saw the enemy coming in, bringing confusion and, and perverting and altering the message. I believe some preachers, sometimes we... If we're not careful, we'll be struggling to try to find a message that'll make somebody smile more than it will bring them to the altars in repentance. I can preach a happy every Sunday. I can preach, ain't nothing wrong with that. We can preach and enjoy the presence of God and shout and everything else, but if you leave on your way to hell, what have I accomplished? haven't accomplished anything. I've just learned how to work the crowd. Amen. Ah, that's good stuff this morning. And those who learn how to work the crowd, if they can't work the crowd anymore, they just move on. Paul wasn't that way because he wasn't trying to work the crowd. He was trying to obey God. He didn't see the crowd as a, as a, as a, a, a congregation where he could entertain. He seen the crowd. He seen the crowd, whether it was on the street, whether it was in, in, the, in, the, in the church, whether it was in the home. He seen the crowd as, as God's heart. He seen the crowd as people that God desired to change their lives. This is why Peter, uh, Paul, not only established the churches, but he continued to oversee the churches. His heart was, was, was reaching out to them, and he would send letters, and, and he would go by there and, and check on them and even in his bonds he would send people to go and, and those churches would send uh, for his care while he was in chains. Paul had a relationship with his people. Amen. But let me go ahead and tell you this. Uh, hallelujah. Somebody, somebody need to hear what I'm about to say right now. Uh, that Paul had a relationship with the people who allowed him to have that relationship. Not a relationship in where Paul would condone sin. Some people only have a relationship with you if you overlook them. They saw a relationship in Paul as a spiritual head, a spiritual overseer, and a spiritual guide. They had a relationship with Paul where Paul could tell them the truth and they wouldn't leave the church. Some of them did. They had a relationship with Paul where Paul could tell them the truth. And instead of getting mad with Paul, they'd, they, 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 they'd run to the altars. Amen. They had a relationship with Paul. See, when you're asking yourself, is a master satisfied with you? It is not only in what you're doing, it's how you're reacting to problems, to circumstances to situations. It's not about how many times you go to church and how many songs you sing or how many sermons you preach or how many Sunday school classes you teach or how often you support the ministries. It's not that in and of itself. It is, is my master satisfied with me because I, like Paul, I have a desire to react toward God in humility and in honesty. God help me. Paul is preaching a gospel that can change lives, but the devil's out there doing everything he can to stop that message from going forward. How many believe this church can fill to capacity? How many believe 
that we can have such a, a presence of God here that it doesn't matter who the pastor is or who's leading ministry. It doesn't matter. Those things are important, but that won't be the forefront of it all. But that, that people out there are saying, let's get to that house of God. There is a God in there that is being preached. Jesus Christ, he's able to set the captive free, turn the blinded eyes open, and let my goodness somebody shout amen. If you want deliverance, the God of heaven is in that place. Jesus, I didn't come here to make a name for myself. I didn't come here to defend myself. I came here to lift his name and I came here to defend his name and I came here to defend this gospel, this glorious gospel, amen. Paul wasn't looking for fame. He was looking for the pure unadulterated gospel. I got 30 more minutes. He has to make a decision when he's hearing these things and the content of his letter can be taken offensively if his heart is not understood. I used to think if people didn't have a smile on their face then they didn't like me. I find out different. People can still love you even though the countenance of their face may not be what you're expecting. Amen. And sometimes people can read your letters and they take offense and not see and understand your heart. But God understands heart. He knows the heart of every man, woman, boy, and girl. And he knew Paul's heart. And Paul, his letter could have been taken offensively if his heart is not understood. So he first capitalizes. He doesn't, he doesn't point fingers at, at everybody that's doing wrong. He points fingers at the responsibility of the gospel message being preached to everyone who preaches it, including himself. I want to say that today. I'm with Paul. If I don't preach the gospel, Lord God, let me be a curse. Don't let me lead folks the wrong way. Let me preach the truth. If, if, if the message does not lay the groundwork for pure gospel ministry, it becomes a ministry of men pleasers. This ministry can tickle the ears but never change the heart. Some preachers don't know which side of the pulpit to step on because some folks are struggling if he goes this way, this one's going to get mad. If he goes that way, that one's going to get mad. I just say, well, dear God, uh, balance it out and quit worried about any of it. Well, brother so-and-so might not like it if I preach on this. God can lay a message on their heart, but they're going to hold back because they're worried about brother so-and-so. Sister so-and-so may think I'm talking about them. When in all actuality, unless you understand the heart, you don't understand the fullness of what's happening. God does not send his message to, 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 to expose you, but for you to expose your own condition, to expose your own condition within you. God's not about embarrassing anybody. Amen? It's not God's heart. I've seen preachers point people out in congregations and say, well, dear, you, brother, you know you ain't living right. You know, God ain't in that. Did Jesus go around doing that? No, he, he went and preached. One-on-one -on -one in ministry, he would deal with issues. Or if the enemy came against him, then he would expose the issues. But the important thing is this, is that we don't preach according to what people desire to please them, and we don't live to what they would be pleased by, but we live to please the master. We preach to please the master. In this case, they were promoting works over faith and accomplishment over grace. I'm not saved by what I've done. I'm saved by faith in Jesus Christ. Christ. 
and then works follow. Good works unto God follow as I make my journey with God. He emphasizes the reasoning for this argument by weighing it against the sovereign truth. He said, do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? If I still please men, I wouldn't be a bondservant of Christ. Something everybody needs to know about ministry, whether they're evangelists, you pay them to come, you give them money to come, pastors, music ministry, whatever you pay people to do, you need to understand something. Before they are yours on paper, they are God's in his sovereign call. Amen. Before the pastor's name is on a sign at the front of the church, they're God's. And they belong to God and they belong to his usury to use them to, to move in the course of ministry as he leads. In the Berean Study Bible, he says, I'm, I'm now, am I now seeking the approval of men? Look at somebody and say, uh-oh, this preacher done lost it today. Or am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. If I was trying to please men, I'd have quit a long time ago. The only thing keeps me going is staying focused on God because you can't please men. It will drive you crazy every morning when you get up worrying about what men are thinking. Every night when you go to bed worried about what men are thinking. God set me free from all that and let me worry about is my master satisfied with me? Hallelujah. Lord, let me be satisfying unto you. Amen. In other words, Paul's living. I'm going to share these things briefly in closing. Paul is living with this ultimate goal in mind. He said, I fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. I've run my course. Finished the race. Fighting the good fight of faith is accomplished through the heart of faith. And not according to what another's heart, but according to your very own heart. According to your heart or your life. Not others, but you. What is this that pleases the master? What does it take? These three things I want to weigh upon our thoughts in closing that we can meditate on in our daily life that Paul did. And I believe it's important for our lives and it will help us to be refocused and refreshed and renewed in it. Number one is this. Our duty to God concerning his message our duty to God concerning his message. You have a responsibility as well as I do to hold fast to this message today, to the gospel of Jesus Christ, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict. Titus chapter 1 verse 9 was speaking of, of the office of, of bishops and they were talking about the importance of the word of God and how it was that they should hold fast to it. I want to go ahead and declare to each and every one of us today the message of the gospel is something that should be held on to dearly and it should not allow it to change in season but allow it to change your season. Let me say that again. Don't allow the season to change the message. Allow the message to change your season. What does that mean, preacher? You don't know what I'm going through today. His message can change it. Don't let the season change the message. That's what's happening with the LGBT community today, and I'm fixing to probably get on fire for all this now. But this is the truth. They can't wrap their mind around God sending people to hell and not loving them. So their, their excuse is, well, you know, you're not, you're not reading that Bible right. He loves everybody and he loves us no matter what we do. And he loves us. And you, 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 you're not reading the purity of the message and, and understanding the message of the gospel and why Jesus came. They're letting the season change the message. 
Well, it's okay to abort babies. You're letting the season change the message. Well, it's okay to shack up. You're letting the season change the message. When you ought to be letting the message change the season. Why did he come? What is the fullness of his coming? It was more than just salvation. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. We are healed from sin through the shed blood of Jesus. We are healed in, in our bodies. Amen. Sickness must be healed through what he did on the cross. Somebody ought to say this to the, today. When problems come your way, let the message change your season. We must hold fast to this message. We must defend it. In Philippians chapter 1, the Bible declares that Paul was imprisoned and he was saying some would preach out of envy and strife and some out of goodwill. The former would preach from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add afflictions to my change, but the latter out of love, knowing that I'm appointed for the defense of the gospel. He said, I'm appointed to defend it. And I'm appointed to defend it. If you don't read it, you can't defend it. If you don't study it, you can't defend it. If you don't get into it, you can't defend it. Some folk need to get those dusty Bibles off your coffee tables, amen, and crack them open again and say, Holy Spirit, give me the diligence and the comp calmness to press through this and read it and speak to my heart. Come on, somebody. We can't just expect everybody else to give us a sermon every Sunday and think we understand the fullness of it. Get into it and study it for yourself, amen. And we must preach it. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 15 said, Having your feet shod. Somebody do your feet like that. Woo! With the preparation of the gospel of peace. So though you're putting your gospel shoes on. So everywhere I go, I'm carrying the message with me. Every step I take, the message is with me. I'm going to share it somehow, some way. Amen. How you doing today? Jesus is so good. Amen. Yeah. I'm telling you, let me tell you what Jesus has done for me. God will make a way. If he gives you the message, he'll give you somebody to share it to and to share it with. Number two, we have a duty to God concerning our personal care. We must be sober. We must be vigilant, Peter said, because our adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That's what was happening in, in Galatia. And that's why Paul said, I've got to send a letter to, to help them to turn around and refocus and understand what's happening. we got to be alert. we got to be aware. We can't let see that so many people have let the, 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 the seasons change the message till they've embraced a message that has no power. It has no merit. It has no truth. Truth, but God give me the message of truth and and then we got to be diligent Peter said we got to be diligent to be found in him in peace without spot and blameless I don't know about you Paul also said that I got to watch after myself. If I keep preaching this word and I'm not taking care of me, I can, I can preach this gospel to so many myself become a castaway. Don't become a castaway. Take care of yourself. Be diligent. Build a prayer life. Build a devotional life. Build a life of faithfulness unto God. It's to your benefit. And God has made it available to you. Study the word. Be prayerful. Thirdly, our duty to God toward humanity. Stand with me if you will. As I said before, Peter, uh, Paul's ministry was not about his own selfish ambitions. It was about a pure call in which he literally cared about these folks and about what was happening here. He cared about 
their lives and their journey. And it troubled him that they had allowed a false gospel to come in and to win them. I, I sang a song Wednesday night. I might sing it here again. Song said, I ain't got time for you, devil. Don't waste your time on me. Ain't got time for you, devil. Because Jesus lives in me. In other words, I've got to be on guard. How do I do that? Through a life of prayer. I've got to be on guard. How do I do that? Through a life of faithfulness. Through a life of accountability. How do I do that? By connecting with people that I know are going to be honest with me and loving with me and caring with me and they're, they're not going to uh, uh, try to expose me or, or try to, to hurt me, but they're sincerely going to love me and pray for me and tell me the truth. Listen, I've got to take care of myself or I'm going to become a castaway. The other day I saw a photo and I posted it and I thought it was very powerful. It simply said this. It said, I thought about giving up until I turned around and saw who was watching me. I thought about giving up until I turned around and saw. I looked on that picture and there was this little old cub lying and that cub lion was looking up at him. Don't you give up. Somebody's watching you. It may not even be your family. It may not even be your children. But somebody's watching you today. Somebody's looking at your life. And they need to see Jesus in it. Amen. They don't need to just see Jesus on Sunday morning. They don't need to just see Jesus on Sunday night, Wednesday night. And every time, amen to God, it benefits you. They need to see Jesus in you and all that you do. And if they can see that, then it'll be life-changing for them. So when the devil comes your way and the devil tries to give you something that is not the gospel, that is altered of the gospel, that is perverted of the gospel, you say this. Well, I ain't got time for you, devil. Don't waste your time on me. I ain't got time for you, devil. Cause Jesus lives in me. One night while I was praying, I felt a presence in my room. I looked down at the front of my bed and there stood Mr. Gloom. He tried to put his spell on me, but I heard him start to weep. When I spoke the name of Jesus and I went on back to sleep, ain't got time for you, devil. Don't waste your time on me. Ain't got time for you, devil. Cause Jesus lives in me. Now the devil, he's a lion, and he's roaming to and fro. He's seeking whom he may devour and trying to steal my soul. But the line of Judah's in me, and I'm nothing now to fear. Satan, you have lost control, so get on out of here. Ain't got time for you, devil. Don't waste your time on me. Ain't got time for you, devil, cause Jesus lives in me. Well, Jesus whipped the devil, and he showed him who was boss. Took the keys of death, hell, and the grave, and said, Slewfoot, you've lost. But the devil's not too smart, you know, showing up at every turn. But I just smile and go on by, seems the devil never learns. Ain't got time for you, devil. Don't waste your time on me. Ain't got time for you, devil. Cause Jesus lives in me. 
Well, the devil, he's a liar, and the truth he cannot tell. So when he says he's got you, just send him back to hell. Jesus whipped the devil. Yeah, showed him who was boss. Took the keys of death, hell, and the grave, and said, Slewfoot, you've lost. But the devil's not too smart, you know, showing up at every turn. Just smile and let him go on by seeing the devil never learn. I ain't got time for you, devil. Don't waste your time on me. I ain't got time for you, devil. Cause Jesus lives in me. I ain't got time for you, devil. Cause Jesus lives in me. Hallelujah. That's what we need to keep in our heart every day. I ain't got time for you, devil. Don't waste your time on me. I'm holding on to that gospel message that I once received. Amen to the Lord. If that's you today, just lift your hands as we close in prayer. And whatever your need may be today, I want you to know you're serving a God right now that by your obedience and just lifting your hands by faith, God can touch you right where you're at. And what great faith is Jesus had a man come to him one time and he said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you'd even come to my house, but would you just speak the word? Amen. Do you have that kind of faith this morning? Just lifting your hands where you're at. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for what you've done in this service today. Lord, for the hearts you've touched in some kind of way. For the lives, Lord, that have got a good grasp and a hold Lord of the of the very very thing that you have spoken to them Lord that you have done in them and even right now by faith by faith God there's some that are lifting their hands in this building that said Lord I need your touch Father I pray by the power of your Holy Ghost that you would breathe on them right now hallelujah breathe on them right now God and in that very touch, Lord, let the healing touch of God begin to be administered to them. Lord, whatever that need may be, Lord, let them sense the healing power of God moving mightily upon their life even now. God, your word said your faith has made you whole. God, I speak the word of God that would build faith in the heart of each and every one of us today to know this. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. Lord, you are the answer for the world today. Above you there's no other. Jesus is the way. If you believe that this morning, give God the biggest praise you can give Him. Give Him glory in this house. Now what I want you to do, I want you when you leave this place to keep this word in view. And don't you let the devil steal it from you. You protect it. You hold on to it. Because one day the master is going to say, either I'm satisfied or turn away from me. And I pray today, that everybody in the sound of my voice will give clear attention to the heart of God through His Word today. We love you. God bless you. Amen. Lift one another up in prayer.